Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. I'm excited today, whether it's your first or second time, we're so glad that you are here, or whether it's your thousand thousandth time. I can barely say that word. Whether it's your hundredth time, whatever it is. Uh, we're so glad that you are here today. I believe there's no greater place that you could be than here with us. Uh, so if you're in the room, you're watching online, we should say welcome to you. Uh, but if, you, if I have not had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Pastor Aaron. I am the associate pastor here at Generations Church. And I just want to say I love this place. My wife and I and our three kids, we love this place. We love Pastor Jeremy and Corey. Uh, so we would love to meet you. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I would love to do that after service in the lobby today just to meet you, greet you, figure out how you got here, how you, how you, how you noticed us or how you got to here to Generations Church today. But I'm excited about today. I know the announcement video hit on a lot of great things coming up for Generations Church, but I want to let you know what happened this past week. This past week, we had about 70 kids and about 30 to 35 adults here for VBS. And when I say it was a phenomenal week, Monday through Thursday, it was stellar. It was stellar. That was good. You're with me, you're with me. That was the name of VBS, if you didn't know that. Uh, but we had an incredible time. The kids had a, so much fun. I mean, a lot of energy every night, a lot of energy. Uh, but our team, Pastor Madeline and our kids team did a phenomenal job. So can we just give it up for our kids team, Pastor Madeline, this past week? God moved in a great way. Uh, uh, kids had so much fun. They heard about God. They heard about the love of Jesus in a fun way. So it was a great, great week for Generations Church, but then also G Kids. Well, today I'm excited for the message, excited to bring the word this morning. Today we are continuing our Summer 7 series that we have been in off and on this past summer. We've had some guest speakers, but it has been a fantastic series of looking at the book of Revelations, uh, looking at the letters from Jesus through the Apostle John uh, to the seven churches uh, in Revelation. And just like we have said each week, uh, we know that reading the book of Revelation can be a little scary, can be, make you a little nervous, uh, but we don't want to miss the obvious truths of the word of God while searching for the obscure, by, by, by searching for the unknown that we, we can't even maybe comprehend right now. Uh, but we want to acknowledge and look at the, the, the truths of the word of God through these stories and through these letters. So our Summer 7 series is about the seven letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches of Revelation. Each week, we've opened a letter, uh, and, and we've asked, what is Jesus saying to this church? And then we also ask the question that, what is Jesus saying to ours? What is Jesus saying to Generations Church? And then also, we go a little bit step further, and we ask, what is Jesus saying to us personally? So that's what we're going to do today. Are you ready? All right, come on, let's open up another letter. We're going to open up a letter to the church in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, the church in Philadelphia, and it's found in Revelation verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 through 13, and we are going to call this church the Enduring Church. Say the Enduring Church. The Enduring Church. There we go. So Revelation 3, 
Verse 7 through 13 says this. I'm reading out of the NIV, so if you have a Bible, Bible apps, you can turn to the NIV version. It'll be on the screen. But it says this. It says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, what, what he opens no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from, from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Philadelphia, just to give you a little background of Philly, uh, just to give you a background of the city of Philadelphia, Philadelphia was in, is in modern-day Turkey, and it was known for its vineyards. So it was, it was wine country, basically. So try to think of Napa Valley. I've heard of Napa Valley. I don't, I've never been there. Probably don't ever plan on going there. But think, think that. It was wine country in their time. It was a region also known for its volcanoes. It was known for its earthquakes. So think about this. It had this great wine business, but it was a dangerous place to live because you never knew when a volcano would erupt, or you never knew if there would be an earthquake. So there was this, uh, th- it was this place of this relative insecurity, but also this uncertainty of what is to come. And so they were insecure of, of their business. They were insecure of their daily lives, and they were uncertain of what was going to happen. The people of Philadelphia had this unstable life. One day, they would have this great business going on, and then the next, it would be completely leveled by an earthquake or a volcano would erupt. And it happened multiple times. If you look back in the history of the city of Philadelphia, I believe it happened in uh, 10 AD, and then it also happened in 60 AD, uh, and where, where an earthquake happened, and it completely leveled. So basically, they would have to start all over. Um, and so it was this place of insecurity and uncertainty and this unstable life of what's to come, what does the future hold, because they didn't know what was going to happen in a couple years or the next day or that day. And for the Christians of Philadelphia, they had that weighing on their lives. But then they, on top of all that, they were completely rejected by their own people. While the early Christians uh, considered themselves Jewish the synagogue leaders did not consider them Jewish. So they considered Christianity this cancer of some sorts. And they considered uh, Christianity a cult that needed to be cast out. So they threw the Christians out and they shut the door on 
them. They closed the door on them, when, which meant they were cut off from their parents, from their family, uh, from their spouses, from close friends, from everything that they knew, everything that they worked towards. They were considered dead to them, and their worlds were found crumbling down around them. So, so they, they face what I would call persecution, because in this time of day, uh, if you weren't Jewish, Jewish, you had to worship Caesar as God. And, and since they didn't consider them Jewish, they were basically going against Caesar as God. So they would be thrown into prison. They would be uh, persecuted for their beliefs. And when they refused to bow down and said, uh, and, and said they are part of the Jesus movement, they experienced this persecution. And they would lose their businesses. They would lose their friends and their family. They would be kicked, their kids would be kicked out of school. Uh, and, and, and they are rounded up and basically most of them put into prison. Their entire world would come crumbling down. And everything they spent their lives building, uh, building up comes tumbling and down. And that's what happened when they would become a Christ follower. When, when you would leave the Jewish uh, faith and, and, and become a Christian and, and be a Christ follower, you would lose everything and you would be rejected by the world that you lived in. They were between this, this rock and a hard place, if I could say it in modern day terms. They were between this rock and a hard place. Have you ever found yourself in a rock and a hard place where you look at a situation, you look at your circumstances, and there's no like, win-lose situation. There's a lose-lose situation. And they found themselves in a lose-lose situation. Their lives were crumbling down and crushed. And have you ever felt that in your own life? Maybe you feel that today where your life is crumbling down, that you're between this rock in a hard place where it felt like your life is crashing down around you and the weight of what you are facing and going through is just pressing down upon you mentally, physically, emotionally. It's just pressing down upon you that a door was shut on you or there's a door that was never open to you, that someone just closed the door in your face and, 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 and you don't know why and you, don't, you have this uncertainty about what's to come. Maybe it's literally like the Christians of Philadelphia where, where your business, you had a business and you spent years and decades building up this business and all of a sudden because of one bad choice or one bad employee, it, it comes all crumbling down around you and you're lost, with, you're faced with brokenness and you're faced with hurt because of it and you're faced with uncertainty of what's to come. Maybe one moment you had a corner office and life is good, and you have a good salary. And then in one moment, you're walking out those doors with a box in your hand with, with all your stuff in it. And you, you have uncertainty in your heart and in your life for your family and, and, and how you guys are going to get through this difficult time. Maybe you've gone through infertility, and, and you've, you've just longed to hold a baby, your own baby, in your arms, and you, you've had plans that you've planned for since a young, young, young kid, uh, whether male or female, you've, you've planned, men or women, I've planned for, for my kids and thought about my kids years and years. Since I was a child, I thought about being a father, and all of a sudden, a doctor says 
that there's no hope. There's, there's no way. You've tried everything, and the doctor just kind of feels like it shuts the door on you. And all the plans and the, the, the thought processes of holding a baby and this family that you would have just comes crumbling down around you. Maybe you've spent months and years even working on your marriage and working to, to be a better spouse and to have a great marriage. And all of a sudden, one day, your spouse just comes in and says, I'm, I'm done, or just leaves, and you don't know where they went, and they never return. And, and, and you just feel this hurt and this grief and this pain that your family is falling apart and your marriage is just over and done and that there is no hope and there's no joy in the midst of it. Maybe uh, you, you, one of your kids has left and you've seen them turn away from you, turn away from God, and kind of like the prodigal son, just run off and, and is living their own life and it is grieving you and it feels like your family and your life is just crumbling down upon you. Whatever it may be, I imagine the Christians in Philadelphia were discouraged, they were hurt, they were broken, they were depressed, they were afraid, they were anxious about what was to come and what was going to happen, and maybe you find yourself feeling just like them today. Maybe you find yourself hurting and broken and discouraged, depressed, anxious about what's to come, and you don't have any joy, and you feel like your hope is gone, maybe you feel just like them today. And this letter to the church in Philadelphia from Jesus through the apostle John is this letter of hope, and is this letter of encouragement to endure through it, to endure through the difficulty, endure through the discouragement, to uh, endure through the anxiousness and the uncertainty of what's going to happen, to endure through the persecution. And that word endure means this, and I love this definition. It means to suffer patiently, to suffer patiently. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to suffer patiently ever. If something's going on in my life, I'm like, let's fix it. Come on, like, let's fix it. Like, let's do something else. Let's A, B, and C. Like, like let's, change our, let's change our actions. Let's do this to like fix it, whatever. Like, I don't, do not want to suffer patiently. If you do like it, then you're just a different type of animal or a different type of person that you just like to suffer patiently. But he's saying while you are discouraged, while you are suffering, while you are discouraged, while you are uncertain of what's to come, to just endure, to just be patient, to keep pressing on and pressing forward, to endure through it. So how do we endure through moments in our life where it feels like our life and our world are just crashing down around us, crumbling down Upon us, how do we endure like the church in Philadelphia? One way, and you can take if you're taking notes, you can write this down. One way that you endure through those moments is to be encouraged. Say, be encouraged, be encouraged. In this letter to the church in Philadelphia, Jesus wanted to encourage them. As I read this over and over, like Jesus just wanted to encourage them to keep pressing on, he wanted to encourage the Christians that were being persecuted. Because, and he knew what they were facing. He knew what they were going through. He knew the persecution that they were facing and not what was in front of them. He knew what people were doing to them. And he wanted to encourage them 
in their faith. And you know, one of the biggest temptations when we are facing a situation that seems insurmountable and when, we, and when it seems like a door is shut on us in our lives is to lose joy. It is to lose hope. We get discouraged. We lose happiness. We lose our motivation. We lose our faith in God. We lose our passion. We stop asking God to move and even believing that God can move and we ultimately quit and give up and lose heart. And the enemy would love nothing more and has no greater joy in his life than stealing your joy and your hope. Because the enemy knows if he can just steal your joy, if he can steal your hope, if he can steal your faith, that he has a better chance of you quitting and you giving up. If he can steal the happiness and the joy and the hope that you have in your faith, if he can steal that, he has a better chance of you quitting and you giving up. In James 1, 2 through 4 is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole book of the Bible. Um, and and as, for the past 10 plus years, it has been a scripture that I've held on to, that I've literally just kept saying in my mind. There's been a couple of other ones that have just, I've just held on to. But it says this in James 1, 2 through 4. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I've loved this scripture, like I've said over the past 10 plus years. And when reading this scripture, I've continually thought about and asked myself over and over, how can I be joyful when I face trials? How can I have joy and how can I have hope and how can I have faith when I face trials. And the reason I know that I can be joyful and the reason I know that you can be joyful and when you face trials is because we know the God that we serve. We know the God that we serve. We've read it. We know about it. We heard about it. But then we also just know the God that we serve. And we know that when we face trials and go through difficult times in our life, that if we just keep pressing forward, if we keep pushing onward, that it will produce this perseverance. And we're going to see that another time later on in the message. If it will produce this perseverance. And perseverance means the ability to keep doing something in spite of obstacles, in spite of of, of of hard times. It means to keep pressing forward and to keep doing something in the spite of those things. And when we persevere and we let perseverance finish its work, ultimately we will overcome and be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we have this promise that if we're, if we're joyful during those trials and we have joy and hope during those trials, that we will persevere and ultimately God will, will help us be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then also we can be encouraged when we remember that God's strength is enough. We see this in Revelations 3, Verse seven, where it says this, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. We serve a God that is all-powerful. We serve a God that is all-knowing, and his strength has no 
limitations. God has the power and the strength to open any door in our life that we, have, we feel has been shut or has never been opened to us. We, we, have the, the, we serve the God that has the strength and the ability to, to heal in an instant. We, have a, we, we serve the God that has the strength and the ability to change marriages and to change family circumstances and situations, to bring kids back to families, to, to heal brokenness and heal hurt and to heal sickness. We serve the God that, that has the strength and has the power to do these things. And God can lead you to overcome any circumstance or situation that you feel is insurmountable. And, and God can open any door that you need open or want open or hope to be open. God can move and God has the strength to do it so we can be encouraged and we can have joy and we can have hope and you can have faith today even when facing trials in our life or even when we don't see how we're going to overcome something, we can have joy and hope. We can suffer patiently as hard as it may be, as difficult as it may be. We can go through our lives in the midst of those trials, in the midst of those circumstances with a smile on our faith, with, with a hope-filled heart and a, and a faith-filled life. We can go through those things. We can endure by being encouraged, being encouraged today. Leave here encouraged that you serve a God that is all-powerful and all-knowing. So we endure by being encouraged. Another way we endure through moments in our life where it feels like our life and our world is crumbling down upon us is to stand firm. In Revelations 3, 8 through 10, it says this. It says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. I know you have little, little strength, and maybe you have little strength today. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I'll make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though are, are, they are not, but are liars, I'll make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. So I love that those two parts, two lines in that scripture says, I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. And then in verse 10, it says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. We learn from the scripture that it's so much easier in life to endure when you have the word of God in your heart, when you have the truth of God's word in your life, when you know the truth to fall back on, when you have the promises of God on your heart and on your mind to remember when facing difficulty and to combat the lies of the enemy, God has given us this word. God has given us this divinely inspired word from him so that we can endure through hardship, so that we can have strength in weary times, so that we can know how much he loves and know much, how much he cares for us, so that we, in, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hard times, can endure through it. And just let me tell you this. When you get the word of God in your life and you study it and you meditate on it and you understand it and seek to understand it, it changes your perspective. It changes your perspective 
on your life. It changes your perspective on what God has you walking through. It changes your perspective on the the hard times and the difficult times in your life. It changes your perspective. No matter if things are good, no matter if things are bad, no matter what you may walk through, no matter if uh, what may be going on in this world and around this world, uh, it changes your perspective and it gives you the faith and strength to stand firm even in the midst. Getting in God's word in your life is one of the best decisions that you can make in your life. Today, I wanna challenge you, get in God's word. Get in his word. I, I look back over my life and I don't know where I would be if I didn't have God's word in my life. There's no telling how many times I would have quit. There's no, t- no telling how many times I would have given up if I didn't have God's promises in my life. If I didn't know the truth of the word of God, if I didn't know what God has done for me, if I didn't know about how powerful and how uh, uh, mighty he is, if I didn't know what he's done for me, but then also if I didn't know that I can be joyful during trials, if I could lean on him and he'd give me comfort and strength, there's no telling where I'd be if I didn't have the word of God in my life. And this reminds me of the parable in Matthew 7, one of my uh, favorite scriptures and favorite stories in the, in the I guess, Jesus' sermon series that he was in on the Sermon on the Mount. He's in the sermon series, I guess. Uh, but Matthew 7, uh, it, it reminds me of this parable of the two builders that we find in Matthew 7, where Jesus says, if you build your life on the foundation of the things of this world, Uh, Also known, he uses the example of sand. If you build it on sand, when the storms of life come and the hardships come and the enemy comes, your house, your your life will be blown over and you you will be overcome with life and you'll be knocked over. But if you build your house on the rock, if you build your house on the word of God and the promises of God and the truth of God, when the storms of this world come and arise and difficulty comes your way, when a door is shut in your face and you're hurting and you're left broken and you're left discouraged, your your, your spouse and you are, are having a hard time and a hard time in your marriage or your kids leave you, whatever it may be, when you're facing those difficulties, you won't be overcome, you won't be knocked over because you built your house on the rock, because you built your house on the truth of the word of God. Enduring hardships in your life is not easy. It's not easy, but enduring when you have the word of God in your life, it helps you stand firm and not be knocked over. And I love that in the letter to the church of Philadelphia that that Jesus praises them and and encourages them for them standing firm in his word and standing firm in his commands and not not being knocked over and not being swayed to their left or the right, not, not leaving their faith. I love that he encourages them and praises them for standing firm in his word. We endure by standing firm. And I encourage you today, Stand firm today. If it feels like storms are hitting you, stand firm. Get in his word and stand firm in him and his word today. The last way I see through the letter to the church in Philadelphia to endure through moments in our life where it feels like our life and our world are crumbling down when we're suffering, when we're discouraged and and, and anxious about what's going to happen is when we don't give up. Don't give up. Look at your neighbor on your left and say, don't give up. And then look at your neighbor on your right and say, don't give up. It's when we don't give up. 
Revelations 3 verse 11 says this, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. I love that. I love in that scripture, those two words, hold on, because it kind of perfectly sums up not giving up and not quitting. And have you ever felt like in your life where you're just, it feels like in your life, you're just holding on for dear life for your life. You're holding on for dear life for your marriage. You're, you're, you're overcome by the busyness of your life. And you're just like, man, if we can just make it to the weekend. And then it's like, man, whew, I'm just holding on. And even it's the weekend. Uh, maybe you feel like you're just holding on uh, for dear life for uh, your job and, and, and holding on to your job for dear life that, that, and, and, and what's going on at your job and how difficult it may be and the stress of it. Maybe you're holding on uh, because of you got a bad doctor's report and you're holding on to faith and you're holding on to the promises that he can heal. Have you ever just felt like you're just holding on in life? And, and I, I see this in this scripture and it, it reminds me, it makes me think of uh, uh, amusement park, basically. Anybody like roller coasters in here? I hate them. I hate roller coasters. It, it makes me think of that. Like, I hold on for dear life when I'm on a roller coaster to the point, like, even just thinking about it, my palms get sweaty. I'm just like, I'm going to fall off. As soon as it does that loop, I'm done. I'm going to meet Jesus. Like, I hold on for dear life. It, it, it makes me a little nervous, no lie. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Man, anyways, I won't get into all that. The most I do is I love the teacups at Disney. That's about it. I do that just because I could spin that thing. You get off. If you roll with me, you're not walking. Uh, but it, it sometimes it feels in our life that we're just holding on and we're trying not to give up. We're trying not to quit. And we're just hold, trying to hold things together and hold our lives together. And a couple of months ago, uh, Bethany and I, uh, my wife and I, we decided we were going to run a half marathon. Now, if you don't know what a half marathon is, a uh, half marathon is 13.1 miles. And before, you, this is not about me. Like, it's not about how great of a runner I am. I haven't ran past a mile since. Like, so don't, don't think of anything big. So we decided we were going to run this half marathon. If you, and again, it's 13.1 miles. And so we decided uh, last year sometime we were going to run this half marathon. And then we started training for it for a couple of months kind of, if I can be honest. Like, we got three kids, a three, two, and one-year-old. We are not training that much. Like, we don't have that much time to train. And so we kind of started training to a point, and then it finally got to race day, and we were semi-confident in, like, our abilities to run this race, and we had a goal, and we kind of met it a little bit, a little bit over. But we started this race out, and we started out good. Like, we're starting out trucking along. We get to mile five or six, and, you know, we're just trucking along. And, and then I remember, I remember getting to about mile, I think it was nine. And that's when it got difficult. We were tired. Uh, physically, we were tired. Mentally, we were exhausted. We kind of pressed through uh, as much as we can. And our bodies were, uh, were, were hurting. And personally, I was hungry. Like, I was starving. It was like six in the morning. And, and, and so we are pressing through. And I remember getting about a mile and a half farther than that. So about 10 and a half miles in. And we get to this point where we have to go up this like upwards on ramp. And I was like, I'm going to die. 
Like, this is it. I'm done. Like, I quit. I can't go any further. And so we started walking, and then we started running, and then we started walking, and then we started running. And we get to, uh, we get past the on-ramp. We get to mile 11 and a half-ish, just something like that, and we were just done. Done. I was, I was like, I stopped, and I was like, I don't know if I can. I, my body was hurting. I'll be 32 on Wednesday. Like, my, that's not that old for some people, but to me, it felt, it felt like I was... I don't know, 100 at that point. And my legs just were like dead. And I mean, cramping up. Like, I could barely walk. And so I was just done. And I was ready to give up. Mentally, I was past, like, I can't press. There's no song on my phone that can encourage me anymore. There's, I can't go any further. And Bethany's looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and we're just like, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep trying. So we kept walking. Then we get to mile, like, 12. And we're like, okay, we're almost there. We're, we're about to make it. And the people on the sidelines, the volunteers were like, you're almost there. You're almost there. And it got to the point, I was like, no, we're not. Like, you keep telling us this. It keeps feeling like this is so far away. Like, stop lying to us. We are almost there, but we could, we're almost there at mile one. Um, that's where it feels like we are. And so we finally, finally finish. And we finally get to the finish line. And we, we make it there. And uh, yeah. Praise my wife. She had three kids in the past three and a half years, and she did that. I don't know how she did. So, so we, I remember, though, like, I remember getting to the finish line, and in that moment, there was this no greater feeling of accomplishment than, than finishing that race and saying that we finished and that we persevered and, and we got through and we endured hardship and endured hardship mentally and physically. And then we also did it together. And I remember just that relief, and I remember that feeling of accomplishment. And, and, and it reminds me of this message. And it reminds me of this idea of not giving up. It could be easy to give up, but we didn't give up. And in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured, consider him who endured, Jesus endured, such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here we see the word perseverance again. And I love in this scripture, I love this scripture because it teaches us that, that it teaches us the way to not give up. And it teaches us how to not give up and how not to grow weary and how not to lose heart. First, it says to throw off everything that hinders and throw off the sin that so easily entangles. You know, the weight of our sin will crush us. And, and even though we can do great things, our weight of the sin will press down upon us. It'll make us feel guilty and make us feel shame. And it'll cause us to give up quicker than almost anything. So it's saying to throw off the weights of this world, throw off the sin that easily entangles and to fix our eyes on Jesus. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, our problems, our suffering, 
the things we're going through, the situations and circumstances that seem insurmountable, the moments and times that our lives feel like they're crumbling down, the, the doors in our life that have been shut on us, they start getting smaller as we start fixing our eyes on him. As we start fixing our eyes on him, those things get smaller because we start seeing God and we start understanding that God is more powerful and God is greater and God is bigger than what we're facing, that God has the power and the the ability to change anything in a moment. And we start, as we start fixing our eyes on him, it gets our perspective off of the things that we're going through and it gets our eyes off of that and gets our eyes on Jesus. And that, and that encourages us and that, and that pushes us through and that helps us persevere under, under scrutiny, under discouragement. It helps us endure. And a lot of times we focus so much and so much, so much of our attention, so much of our time and our ability is focused on our issues. It's focused on the things that we're going through. And we almost, if I can be honest, we almost obsess over these things. And, and, and we, like I said earlier, we, we think that we can fix it. And so we start trying to do A and B and C to fix these things. And, and, and we start obsessing over the things that we're going through. But what if we turn our eyes away from that and fixed our eyes on Jesus, the author, the pioneer of our faith. And we fixed our eyes on the God that is all powerful, that is all knowing, that his strength is enough. The God that loves and God that cares for you. The God that promises to comfort and protect you. The God that through him, everything in our lives can change. The God that if we just fix our eyes on him, he can change our whole entire life. He can help us get through anything that we may go through. He can bring us comfort when, we, when we're hurting. He can bring us peace when we're stressed. He can give us rest when we're weary. He can give us the encouragement and the strength to keep pressing forward. And I believe that through God, everything can be changed. But when you f- just fix your eyes on him, it doesn't matter if it changes or not. It doesn't matter if things get better or not because you are able to be joyful in the midst of trials. You are able to be joyful and not lose heart in the midst of difficulty because you are able to stand firm in his word and stand firm when the storms and difficulties of life come because you are able to not grow weary and lose heart to the point where you quit and give up because we are so focused on Jesus. It doesn't, God doesn't promise us this easy life, but he promises us to keep us and to lead us and to guide us and protect us. He promises us that if we just kept pressing forward, if we be joyful in our trials, that we will ultimately not lack anything. That if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things that we need will be given to us. As it says in Matthew 6, let us just fix our eyes and be focused on God. Today, I want to encourage you, just like Jesus encouraged the church of Philadelphia. He's encouraging me today, but he's also encouraging you today. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. The enemy would love nothing more for you to quit and give up. He would love nothing more for you to be depressed, for you to be anxious, for you to be 
imprisoned by your anxiety, imprisoned by your hurt, and imprisoned by your guilt and shame. He would love nothing else than that. But don't let the enemy steal that. Don't quit. Don't give up. It, it seems so much easier. As I look back at my life, man, there's so many times I've thought like, it'd just be easier to just quit. It'd just be easier to give up. It'd just be easier to just not even try anymore. Like, why am I even trying? It, it'd be so much easier if I just, just left and I just gave up on my hopes and dreams and I gave up on pursuing God. It would be so much easier if I gave up on my family, if I gave up on my job, if I gave up on, on pressing through the grief and pressing through the hurt and pressing through the pain. Life would just be so much easier and we think that and we start to believe that and then we get to the point where we quit and we give up and we just ignore it and we we give into it but i want to encourage you today don't quit don't give up today there's some people in this room that you feel like you're at your wits end you feel like you're at you're at that breaking point where you feel like life is crumbling down you feel like you're being pressed by the weights of your hurt and the pain and the circumstances, whether it be at your job, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be in your family, whether it be from a doctor's report or financially, whatever it may be, and you feel like you're at this breaking point in your life, and I just want to encourage you, don't quit. Endure. It may be difficult. It may be hard. It may mentally pressed down upon your mind and you may have nothing else to to put towards it you may be pressing down upon you physically and emotionally and you're just anxious and you're worried but don't quit don't give up because we know that joy comes in the morning in the difficult trials and difficult times that we're facing we know that we serve the god that is able to move and able to do whatever we need him to do don't quit on your marriage don't quit. On your family, don't quit. On your kids, don't quit. Jobs come and go, but don't give up the heart of trying. Don't quit on, on, on trying at your job. Don't, don't quit on, uh, when you get a bad report. Don't quit. Don't give up. So we see in this, this letter that Jesus is encouraging the people of Philadelphia, and he's encouraging us today to be encouraged to stand firm, and to not give up. So let's go to God. Head head bowed, eyes closed today. Today, if if you're in this room and you just feel like you're at your wit's end, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's just stress. Maybe it's depression anxiety and you just feel like you're at your wits end and you're you're at that point and you you feel like you're just ready to quit it'd be easier to quit you think and you need God to move and you need God to encourage and you need God to move in your your life if that is you would you just raise your hand amen many hands and maybe you're in this room and you realize today, I don't have God and I need him. I need the God. I need God in my life because I can't do it on my own. 
and I need the creator of this world. I need the God that loves and cares for me to help me, and I need him as a savior of my life. If that is you today, and maybe it's the first time, maybe it's you know the second time, whatever it may be, if that is you today, would you just lift your hand? Let's just go to God in prayer. God, we thank you today. God, we thank you, God, that you love us. God, we thank you today, God, that you care for us. God, I thank you for each person in this room, God. God, I pray today for the person that is weary, that the person that is hurting, the person that is broken, the person that finds themselves at their, their wit's end, God, in life. God, maybe it's suicide today. God, I pray right now, God, that you would bring healing to their heart. God, that you bring healing to their life. God, that they don't feel worthy, God, to even live this life. So God, I pray right now, God, that you would bring encouragement. God, that they would know that they are a child of God. God, that they would know that they serve a God that loves them and cares for them, that is with them. So God, I pray today, God, that you would meet us where we're at. God, for the person that is that is wanting to quit, the person that is discouraged, the person that is weary, God, that you encourage them, that they would you would build them up today, God, in your word. God, we thank you for what you're going to do, God, through this week, through this sermon series. God, we love you and praise you and give the glory. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.